betrayal was the biggest, I think, feeling at that moment. And and just, you know, disbelief that that could be going on in my home and in my marriage. When Jenny discovered her husband's emotional affair, she was devastated. Thankfully, she found resources at our website to heal her marriage. I think Focus on the Family has been almost like a conduit to kind of pull together um, two lives that's been broken. It pulls them together through brokenness, through hurt and heartache. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can rescue more hurting marriages like Jenny's and give families hope. Please join our marriage restoration team by calling 800, the letter A in the word family, or donate at focusonthefamily.com slash hope, and your gift will be doubled. Here at Plugged In, we spend quite a bit of time doing two things. We write and we talk. Almost in equal measure. Now, frankly, <laughs> most of the time you're going to be encountering our reviews in writing on our website, Plugged In. And each week we review a lot of stuff. Movies, TV, video games, music, books, YouTube channels, technology, trends. We want to be your one-stop shop to have everything you know to be equipped to deal with everything that pop culture is throwing at you. So that's the writing side. But then there's the talking side. We talk to you on the podcast, and we want to help you talk to your kids. So today, we're going to spend some time talking about talking. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Adam Holtz here, your host of the Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. And I hope as we begin to launch into this conversation here in a few minutes that what my 16-year-old son recently told me is actually true. He said, Dad, you know what your spiritual gift is? It's talking. <laughs> and it took me just a second to process whether that was a compliment or a put down or both. Because sometimes he gets tired of my talking. But that's the way of it with our kids, right? We want to have conversations that shape their hearts and their souls and their ability to sift through all this stuff in culture. Sometimes, by God's grace, those conversations just happen organically and naturally, and you get to the other side, and you're like, man, that was incredible. Other times, we want to have talks with our kids about important stuff, and it's like talking to a stone wall, right? And most of the time, it's probably somewhere in between. So today, we're going to talk about how we talk about pop culture with our kids. And because we're not done with this word just yet... I also am going to be talking with Gloria Gaynor, who is a disco legend. And if you're wondering, why is Plugged In talking to somebody whose biggest hit came out in 1978? (laughs) It was a big hit, though. Oh, it was a big hit. Uh, That being I Will Survive, you're going to have to stay tuned Uh. for the second segment. And before we jump in, I would also encourage you to follow the Plugged In show wherever you get your podcasts. Take a minute to leave a review for others who might be wondering, are they always this crazy this early in the show? You can help guide them with your responses. So please do that on the our behalf. is yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Well, joining me for our first segment today are Paul AC and Jonathan McKee. Hey, guys. How are we? Hey, good. Good. Greetings. Good and greetings. That feels like an appropriate <laughs> place to start. Uh, before we start talking about talking, 
When you were growing up, did your families talk about movies together after you watched them? Go. Mr. AC. Oh. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. It was a 50-50 chance. Yeah, exactly. You know, know, I'm... I have to say, I don't remember a lot of conversations with my parents growing yeah. up about about movies, about TV, about any of that stuff. Uh, and honestly, one of the reasons why I'm really excited about this conversation is because I think I could have used some conversations. Okay. Right? When I was a little kid, we lived in a really tiny town, still had a drive-in uh, movie theater. Was that Taos? That was Taos, New Mexico. And mm. so when we would go to the movies, we would go to, to this drive-in and they would, my parents, we had this big old station wagon. My parents would eventually oh, man. Go, we... go to sleep in the back and I was up there watching oh, these movies. What a great memory. <laughs> I just feel like we need a moment of silence for the 70s. You know, we started uh, with I Will Survive and... But anyway, this yeah. is your answer, not mine. What else? <laughs> so, but but really, sometimes those those movies that I watched were tricky for like a five year old to deal with. Yeah. I remember there was one yeah. movie called Where the Lilies Bloom, um, that featured this dad, you know, this sick dad who's raising his kids out in the backwoods of North Carolina. The dad died, and. Mm. I still and your parents were asleep that. in the back of the My car. My parents were still, <laughs> they were asleep in the back seat. They didn't know how traumatizing that was because watching a dad die, I mean, that has a yeah, lot of yeah, implications for, for sure. little kids watching, right? I could have used some good conversation. I mean, it's right up there with old Yeller, you know? It's tough. But we need to, that's another conversation. That's another, another conversation. Jonathan, what about you? You know, uh, not so much growing up. I mean, it, I mean, I have fond memories of especially Monday night football with the family. And then we literally had shows we watched. I mean, remember Incredible Hulk on Friday night, oh, yeah. you know, A-Team on Tuesday night. Oh, I mean, yeah. there was definitely our shows, but it was kind of like shows. And, and I think a lot of our conversation was just about life because back then there was commercials. And so during commercials, it was like, you know, here's what happened at school today, that kind of stuff. But we didn't really discuss film now. Funny thing is, in high school, I had this uh, girlfriend who had a single mom, and this girlfriend was always tired, and she would go to bed, and me and her mom would stay up and watch a movie, which sounds really <laughs> weird. But uh, I talked with movies about <laughs> with movies about her all the time. We would watch a movie, and we'd be like, "That's fascinating. What about this?" And we'd get in these like heated conversations, and I think it's what really prompted me. I ended up studying film in school, where we would, you know have to watch these, you know, older films and analyze and write papers on them. And I really did enjoy that. But it wasn't something, you know, necessarily from the family growing up. It was more from your girlfriend's mom. mom. That's great. (laughs) So thank you. That is Shout out Cheryl. Thank you. Yeah. Go Cheryl for talking about stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, even though I'm the one who wrote this question, we didn't talk about stuff much. And looking back, I also have some moments kind of like, what were you thinking here? Like my dad went, took me to see this horror movie when I was like seven called Spawn of the Slithus. Oh, <laughs> you would think that would be my sort of a red dad, flag. What in the world? <laughs> I mean, seriously, what in the world? Was this supposed to be a bonding time? Because it was, you know, right after Bigfoot the Mysterious Monster came out. So I was always already wrecked on yeah, monsters. You're scared from the commercial. Of now that. I'm like, yeah. there's a lake. I wonder if there's a monster that's going to eat me that lives there. You it know? explains a lot about you. Well, it, really, it does explain. It does. So 
with all due respect, Dad, sorry. I hope you're enjoying your nice, cool time under the bus out of <laughs> out of the sun <laughs> where I just threw you. Um, it's hard to be parents, right? Right. I mean, I think yeah, sometimes totally. we look back and we think, oh, that was a missed opportunity. Or, yeah. oh, I just had no idea what to do with with this, you know, with something my kids watched with something, maybe even they listened to, you know, pop culture in general. Yeah. You know, and when we're talking about how hard it is to be parents, I think when we share these experiences, when we, when we talk about our parents, not talking about movies and yet we're sitting in these chairs, it makes me mindful of how exhausting it can be for parents to be parents. You know, they're, they're talking with their kids all the time and a lot of times, movies, entertainment, it's a way to step back, ease back. You don't have to, quote unquote, think as much. You don't right. have to, you know. You it's can just, a break. It's a break. <laughs> That's exactly right. But when you're talking about movies, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that should be talked about in them. Yeah, and we're going to talk about what we should be talking about. <laughs> and so let's just dive in there. I, I think that we would all agree uh, at least in the abstract, that popular culture can exert an incredible influence on us. I mean, we can reach back to those memories, right? We remember movies we saw when we were seven. I remember the horrible things that the Slithas did to the poor victims that, including me. <laughs> Why am I in this movie, Dad? Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, won't, I won't bring up Spawn of the Slithas again in this podcast. I, um, 50-50. But as parents, sometimes we don't know, how do we have... A conversation about this. So I want to start with this question today. It may seem self-evident, but I think it's important to ask this. Why is it important to talk about what we're watching as a family? So here's my thought. I I think that um, the kids tend to live, they grow up obviously in a sheltered world, right? Their worlds are very small. Um, their mom and dad, they'll take care of their needs. They'll, they'll feed them. They'll put them to bed. They'll keep them warm. Um, At least I, in the best family situation. In the best family situation. And, and mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. way it should be, right? We're, right? we're there to protect our kids. We're there to, to help them sort of grow uh, slowly and safely, right? Yeah. Uh, but when you're talking about movies, when you're talking about TV shows, I think for a lot of kids, those pieces of entertainment becomes the very first moment that they deal with some really serious real world issues. Okay. You know, like when I was talking about. So that safety gets punctured a little bit. The safety gets punctured. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Yeah. Because there are some things that we deal with in life that are inescapable. We deal with conflict. We deal with fear. We deal with death. We deal with all sorts of stuff that, you know, as you're growing up five, six, seven, you're not necessarily um, exposed to as much. Um, well, when hopefully I think, not. When I think about when the <laughs> lilies bloom, um, that was my first real encounter with death. Yeah. And that's something that will visit us all in, yeah. in one way or another. Um, and so to have the ability to talk about some of these really, literally, life and death issues um, can be a real opportunity, I think, for parents to engage with some of these big issues in a safer space. And sometimes those opportunities will show up unexpectedly. Right. Like, I think that, yeah, yeah. that we can do our due diligence and we can still get surprised. We were on vacation a number of years ago and we were in a, 
a rental place. So hmm. they didn't have a lot of streaming options and we wanted to watch a movie and they actually helpfully had a bunch of family friendly options. And I think one of them, I, I may get this wrong. I think it was called just the bear and the mama bear dies in like the first five minutes. Yeah. And yeah. my youngest daughter literally had a meltdown mm -hmm. because the story was about mom dying and we had mm -hmm. to shut it off and have a conversation about how this is just a movie and mom's not going to die. And then when she says, well, you can't guarantee that, then we have a bigger conversation about <laughs> yeah, trusting exactly. God with the things that we can't control. But yeah. that was an example of one that just, it flew in out of nowhere, you know, and, yeah. it, and it caught yeah. us by surprise. We thought we were watching this nice family-friendly movie about bears and, and then there's death. Yeah, and, and there, what are we doing here? And it probably was a nice family-friendly movie, but you think about the number of kids. <laughs> but we turned it off. <laughs> yeah. But, but so I who would, knows? I would imagine that a huge percentage of the people listening to us right now, they think of the Lion King. They oh, think yeah. of Bambi. I mean, these are big issues that yeah. kids yeah. are are being asked to deal with at a fairly young age. Yeah, Jonathan, anything you want to add to our conversation about conversations so far? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I love the fact, Adam, that you talked about that these moments, you know, you can't like architect them. You know, I mean, th it seems like the best conversations we ever had were exactly like you said, something that just happened. As a matter of fact, the times we did try to like, you know, force the conversation, hey, we're going to watch this movie and then we're going to have a conversation. Those are the ones where it was like crickets, no conversation, you know, but I think we just need to be ready for this to happen, you know, any time. And, and I think we also need to be a little proactive about it. I mean, it almost sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but I, I think the thing is, as we're proactive about being available for conversation and trying to initiate these conversations in a very Deuteronomy 6 type of way, you know, yeah. which is where in scripture it talks about, you know, hey, not only is this amazing truth about God supposed to be on our hearts, but talk about it with your yep. kids. And then he gives that list of as you walk along the road, as you go to bed at night, as you, and some of us, when you start to think about that, I don't know how much we're doing that. And, and, and if we could just be proactive about being available to in all parts of life, to just talk about it in perspective of God's truth, I think it just becomes natural. It just becomes part of who we are. And, and, and Sadly, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to preach here, but it really starts. And here's where I wish I could go back and rewind time. That passage starts with God instilling that stuff in our hearts, and as it changes us in our hearts, then it's going to naturally flow out in these conversations. And I think some of us might try to force the conversation with, "I'm just going to meddle here a little bit," without allowing God to change our hearts. Mm, and ooh, I know for me, mic drop. I know I needed to let. God penetrate me a little more and think about my own media, uh, think about my own words and the ramifications and let him change me. And as he changed me, I think that conversation would have flowed a little more naturally. I love that. I really love that. And I wanted to riff on, on something else that you said, Jonathan. Um, the idea that, that these conversations can be kind of awkward. Right. I think that that's that's yeah. sort of one of the the elephants or bears in the room that we need to talk about. Slithuses. Slithuses. 
<laughs> I knew you weren't going to be able to stay away. I know. It's just such a fun word. <laughs> Slippers. The bear in the room. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, but you don't want to turn conversations around entertainment into things that your kids really don't want to do you know i right. think that sometimes yeah. it can be so discomforting that they become conversations about movies can be like the talk the right. talk that no kid yeah. wants to have with his parents yeah. and and you don't want that to happen so you do have to i think that there are two elements that can help with that number one start as early as possible to, mm -hmm. to have these yeah. conversations, to be proactive, to get your kids used to wanting to talk about these movies. Because I do think they want to talk about them if you sort of train them to do so. But the mm -hmm. other thing is to open the door very casually. What is the first thing that, that we tend to ask each other when we see a movie? What'd you think? What'd you think? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did you like the movie? What moved you about it? And and those little questions can sort of open the door to walking further down the hall in conversation. So it becomes not so much, and now we're going to have family <laughs> discussion time about yeah, the movie, exactly. and more, <laughs> hey, I kind of like that. What do you think? Right. Um, yeah. I think in a, a next step down that path that we can take without trying to be deceptive but in a way that invites our kids in is that personal step you know i think as our kids get older and as we have conversations and they're used to that as sort of a okay we talk about stuff i think we can ask the question who did you relate to in the movie like who did you yeah. identify with like if you think back all of of us here in this conversation we grew up in the 80s. And you can think about the ensemble movies of the 80s, you know, the John Hughes stuff, some mm -hmm. of which had big problems. So that's my plugged in disclaimer yeah. here. <laughs> but, you know, you had, let's take Breakfast, Breakfast Club, Club, which was R-rated mm -hmm. mostly for language and for some sexual situations. But you had sort of all of the archetypes, right, in play. You had yeah, the geek yeah. and you had the athlete and you had the rebel mm -hmm. and you had the good girl. And so I think um, that was sort of, almost intentionally archetypal, I think, on John Hughes' part. But but yeah, kids yeah. grow up in a in a tribe, if you will. They identify with a certain group of people. And and so when we watch a movie just saying, hey, was there somebody there that you really connected with emotionally? Yeah, uh, I yeah. think that can open the door to conversation in a way that that hopefully doesn't feel too forced. Yeah, yeah. And when you're talking about those archetypes, another movie, I'll just mention this. Um, Inside Out is a great movie. It has mm. archetypal yeah, yeah. emotions, yes. right? And it can be a fantastic catalyst to talk with your kids about, about how they're feeling, what they're feeling, you know, mm -hmm. how, you know, they have this great thing on, on Inside Out, these islands of identity, these islands yeah. of personality that talk about their yeah. priorities yeah. in life. And as your kids grow, you can talk about those islands. It gives you almost like a new vocabulary. Or a map. To talk with your kids mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. what they're dealing with as they're growing up. I think that you do have some movies that you can actually pluck and say, this is a great conversation starter. Yeah. I think the other thing we can do as parents is really paying attention to how our kids are responding emotionally mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because the nature of story is that one person can watch a movie that has a story and be totally unaffected by it and somebody else may watch it and it's really clear that it's moved them deeply. And so just paying mm -hmm. attention to our kids' reactions, you know, my same daughter who – 
worried about the bear dying. We watched, you know, one of these reincarnated dog movies. I think it was a dog's purpose. And I thought the major issue that we were going to have to talk about was the fact that this dog keeps get, getting reincarnated. And it's it's not really spiritual. It's sort of just a plot device. Um, they don't really yeah, go in yeah. a particularly Hindu direction. But I'm like, I've got my note cards all ready to talk about <laughs> yeah, Hinduism exactly. and Buddhism and how exactly. why we believe what we believe about Christianity is different than what those... Then, because I knew that that stuff was in there, but I thought, we can navigate yeah, that. Yeah. I'm ready to talk about that. And in the movie, somebody's house burns down. <laughs> and my daughter, who worries about stuff, is like, is our house going to burn down? Ooh. And so the conversation yeah. wasn't about Buddhism or reincarnation at all. It was about... That and I noticed after we watched the movie and we saw it in the theater, and and it's a really fun movie. Um, my daughter was really quiet. I'm like, honey, what's going on? What are you sad because the dog kept dying? And she's like, no, dad. <laughs> what about the house burning down? You know, is our house going to burn down? And again, trying to reassure her that our house wasn't going to burn down became the conversation that we had. Because it affected her emotionally. Sure. And, sure. and, yeah, and as parents, sometimes we can get so busy or we're so checked out that we don't notice how things might be affecting our kids emotionally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we need to be careful of our emotions too, because in our own restlessness and our own junk we're dealing with, I guess, yep. um, sometimes you know we allow that to come out. And, and I, I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever read too late was uh, author <laughs> Shanti Feldhan. Uh, and I think it, I can't remember which book it was because her books are all so good. I want to say it was for parents only, but she's just spent all this time on don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out. As I'm reading it, I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, I wish I would have read this advice long ago. Yeah. Because she just talks about how so often we overreact. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, in these moments. And, and one of the things that I always talk to parents about is turning our overreaction into interaction. How can we? segue from this point of where so often because i mean think about it it's so hard you watch tv nowadays and sometimes there's stuff that makes us mad right mm -hmm. yeah and maybe for a good reason but what we do with that anger is really up to us and if our kids constantly see us out of control or flipping out or oh i tell you and then talking about the other political party that we don't agree with when we're watching that news station that we watch <laughs> you know um our kids roll their eyes and they walk away and go yeah, dad or mom's not safe, can't talk with them. And mm. the thing that's so sad is that, Love that kills these opportunities that we could have. And I was like, Shanti, thank you so much for the don't freak out advice. I would have wish wish I would have read it earlier. Um, so that's really not something to talk about. That's something to not talk about. Right. Like sometimes you don't need to be so on top of, you know, the, the problem here with us sinful world you know and we turn into lecture mode sometimes right. it's better to just ask that question like you said i'm not that hey so what just happened there huh. yeah is yeah. that true yes is that true you know what well what would happen if that happened to you what would you do you know just kind of asking and to just literally pray for a god-given um compassion and tone of approachability so you're safe and so if they've got something they're dealing with they think i could talk with mom or dad because they're safe and they're not going to freak out. Yeah. I love that. And and just by way of true confession, um, it's not a movie or a TV show, but I had this exact thing happen with my 14-year-old my daughter recently was talking to me about her playlist on Spotify. And mm -hmm. um, 
we have a pretty high trust household. I like to think I know what my kids are into and she's, you know, rattling off what's on her playlist and she gets to Katy Perry and I'm like, and I freaked out. I'm like, Katy Perry, that song's terrible. And I had that emotional reaction and I watched her right in front of me go from being a participant in a conversation to, you know, like in Star Wars where the blast shields drop down and close off a corridor you know, instantly <laughs> she was on the other side of the blast shield. Yeah. Uh, I want to write a book someday called everything I needed to know about parenting. I learned from star Wars. Um, Absolutely. but I, I apologized, but that didn't bring her back in the moment. And I had to circle back with her later and say, there's some things about that song that I'm not crazy about, but I responded really terribly in the moment. I responded emotionally. I responded judgmentally and I probably made you feel like a bad person for listening to this song. Mm. Um, and we were able to repair, I think, that damage. But, uh, man, sometimes we find out something our kids are into after the fact as opposed to watching it with them or listening with them. And we freak out. And it doesn't yeah. accomplish yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. I think as parents, we want to teach our kids. We want to share our wisdom with, uh, with them. Um, but when it comes to conversations like this, Questions are so much more important than answers. Yes. To ask yeah, the right yeah. questions, to allow that conversation to flourish. Um, because you're right. I, I think as parents, we do have a tendency, and, and there, are, there are places for this, right? I mean, right. you do have to set down the law and say, okay, this is what we need to have happen. Um, but very often, I think that it's much more fruitful to keep the conversation lines open, to ask the right questions, to yeah. be be open to what they have to say, because it's through that openness that you yeah. learn about your kids, not only what they're listening to, but why. Yeah. And as a parent, I think that those why things, those are super critical in, in raising, uh, raising good mm -hmm. men and women. Yeah. You know, one Preach. other, one other true confession after the lockdown was over, my son came to me and said that he had watched all of breaking bad, which is not a show for teenagers. No, uh, it's barely a show for most adults. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that happened. So here's what we're going to do. Number one, we're not watching any more M-rated shows, so I need to have a conversation with you about that. And maybe we'll talk about adjusting the filters on our streaming service too. Um, but number two, I said, I want you to tell me how this show affected you. And I want you to tell me what, what did you learn from it in terms of decision-making? Because Walter White make some interesting decisions. I think it's safe to say yeah, yeah. how I wanted to turn it was, I'm not happy that you watch this show, but this happened. So I, I'm not going to like drop the 10,000 pound parental sledge yeah. on you, but I do want to know how you interacted with the story and the content. And what were some of the consequences that these characters face from their decisions? Yeah. I, I love that because as parents, as good a parent as you are, your kids will get into things that you don't want yeah. them to get into. And those also provide some good learning tools. You know, yeah. Breaking Bad is is a really, really harsh show, and yet it has some really good thoughts on what sin, incremental sin, does to a person. And, yeah. and so you have some teachable moments that you can launch into. And confession, for me, and I'm sure a lot of other parents are, are better than this, but... 
in that moment when you find out and discover what your kids snuck and did or what they downloaded or what they watched. For me, I just learned right away that I wasn't good in that moment and I needed time. Yep. And so finally by about kid three, I learned, <laughs> uh, I, I, I finally learned that I, I literally had to rehearse a speech in that moment. I wasn't allowed. I, I literally didn't allow myself to respond in a moment. And my speech was, oh man, I, I love you so much. Um, that I got to go pray because uh, not, you know, this is new information to me and I'm not good in the moment. So let me go pray and, and let's talk about this later. Yeah. Because I love you so much and there's nothing you could do that would ever stop me from loving you. Yeah. And, and I, I, I just had to do that. I, I had to do that because if I tried to do it in a moment, I would guaranteed have to do what Adam did, which is go back later and go, okay, now here's what I should have said, you know, and, and do that. And, 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 and I, I was always better the second time. Well, I find out I didn't even need to have the first time because I was going to blow it anyway. Right. So give the speech, walk away, pray about it. And my gosh, two hours later or two days later, I was so much better. So for yeah. me, that, that helped. I'm, I'm sure many of you don't need that, but for me, I did. <laughs> well, I hope that as you have listened to our conversation about conversations today, uh, it's kind of meta, you know, as the kids would say, um, yeah. I hope that there have been points that have connected with the way you're relating with your kids. And the reality is it's messy right? And there's a lot of stuff coming at us and our kids, and we can do our best to try to ward off the really bad stuff. But sometimes things get through the net and we have to talk about it. And I think that as we create or curate a culture of conversation, man, I should have been a Baptist preacher. That was really good. Um, What it communicates to our kids is that we're a family that we talk about ideas and where they're not going to get blasted if they make a really bad choice, but we're going to talk about that. Uh, and there, you know, sometimes there need to be consequences too. I'm not saying that, you know, if your kid makes a really bad choice that we just blithely say, okay, no worries. Um, but I hope that as you've listened, you have had some, some thoughts on where this connects with your family. And I wanted to just leave, uh, this conversation with a few more questions that you can potentially ask your kids. And we've talked about a number of them. Um, but, uh, one of those is how did this movie or TV show work on you emotionally? What did you feel where and how did you see consequences for poor or immoral choices? Uh, and this next one I think is a fun one. If you tried this in real life, what would happen? <laughs> yeah, that's a good Right. One. Like most sitcoms are automatically disqualified from reality just on the basis of that question. Um, did the characters do or say something that made you feel uncomfortable? And if so, why do you think that is? Um, and as our kids get older, we can begin to ask them, how do you think this compares to what we believe as Christians? How is it similar? How is it different? Uh, and so whether those conversations are spontaneous, whether we sort of create a time where our kids know we're going to talk about it afterwards, what we're doing is we're creating a conversation of critical thinking and of integrating our faith into uh, into real life, as opposed to just sort of vegging out, passively consuming it, and not really thinking about it at all. So, all right, good conversation, gentlemen. Well, today I have the pleasure of talking to Gloria Gaynor, who some of you may remember as the singer of 
an enormous song in 1978, I Will Survive. What you may not know is that uh, Gloria has recently launched into an acting career as well. And so, Gloria, thanks for taking some time to talk to The Plugged In Show today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, I know that most people will probably know you as a singer, and we'll touch on that in a little bit, but you have um, a role in a new movie called The Thursday Night Club. Tell us a little bit about this movie and the part that you play in it. Well, it's a movie about a, a, a wonderful group of young people who listen to God, it's, uh, um, to hear from him as to what they can do that is um, going to be altruistic, something that you can do for other people, uh, paying it forward. Um, okay. And so they, each one hears something different. Each one hears something, a, sort of a project that they can work on to, um, to do just that, to pay it forward. Okay. And what is your, what is the role that you play in the movie? Are you in sort of a mentoring role or talk to us about that a little bit? No, I get to play the part of a doctor of one of the, one of the children, one of the young people who is, has decided to be a bone marrow donor. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds like a a pretty dramatic role. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a short role, but it's, it's okay. It's good. It's good. And, how did you get involved with the movie? What was your your sort of path into it? I was um, called um, and told that this role was available and just asked if I would be interested. And I was, jumped at it because mainly because of what the film was about. It's about, as I said, paying it forward. And that is so necessary. We need to learn to think about one another. In this day and age, we've become so uh, self-centered. Uh, yeah, and and we need to move out and and recognize that we're we're all uh, we're all a family, whether we like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> and we need to um, if we would just, as I said earlier, if we just observe that simple golden rule, none of a little of what we're going through now would be happening. Okay. Well, you have experienced an extraordinary amount of fame in your life and your singing career. I would love to hear about how you came to Christ and your story of meeting him. (laughs) I really came to Christ um, some years ago. And and right after I will survive, I was riding high on I will survive. And and my my ex-husband slash manager and I had given a party in L.A. And at the party, long story short, um, I started out drinking champagne because I liked champagne. And then people started bringing in other things. And I got concerned that I was going to fall asleep and my husband would be left with all these women. Okay. <laughs> and so someone came in with cocaine and and I knew that he was going to do it and all of them would be doing it and I'd be asleep and he'd be left with these women. And so I decided to try it as well. At that point, the Holy Spirit grabbed me in my collar. Huh and said, that's enough. I mean, it was so real to me. I thought everybody else in the room must have seen it. Wow. And I jumped up from the floor and well, kind of, I was visibly shaken and went and closed myself in the bathroom. And I realized it was God telling me I was about to step a little too far from him. And I hadn't even remembered, I didn't realize until almost a year later 
when I was going through some things of my mother and I found a baptismal certificate and all the memories came rushing back where when I was 16 years old, I told my mother I wanted to be baptized and give my life to the Lord. Hmm. And then I forgot about it, but he didn't, obviously. Yeah. How old were you at that point? Uh, I mean- At that point I was like 30 something. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like God really got a hold of your life in a, a very oh, dramatic oh yes. way. And when that happened, it was like all about Jesus. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, many of our listeners will be familiar with I Will Survive. And so two-part question. Why do you think that song resonated so deeply with people? And how does your faith cause you to see it or even sing it differently now? <laughs> well, um, I think that the song initially uh, celebrates the tenacity of the human spirit. Huh. But I I do sing it differently now because uh, when I, right after that happened, I, just, I, I came so committed to the Lord that I decided to change the lyrics to the song where it said, it took all the strength I had not to fall apart. I changed it to say only the Lord could give me strength not to fall apart. Hmm. Where it says, cause you, now you see me somebody new. I changed it to say, cause he made me somebody new. Hmm. I was in Italy right after I changed those lyrics and sang it for the, sang those lyrics for the first time. A young lady came to me after the show as often people did to tell me their stories about how the song had affected them. And she said to me, that I had saved her life. And I thought, okay, here's another story. And she said, no, you don't understand. I've been living here for about a year, been having a terrible time, and but I don't have any privacy here. So I was gonna go home, home meaning back to either Japan or China, I don't remember which. I was gonna go home so I could commit suicide. Hmm. But now that I've heard you sing that song, I know where my strength can come from and I don't have to die. Wow. So yes, I do sing it differently now. Yeah. How often do you get to sing it these days? Are you still actively engaged out and about and, and doing oh, yeah. performances? I, I, just did a, I just did a performance Saturday night and I have some shows uh, next week in um, LA, um, two shows in LA and uh, I'm performing quite a bit now, about 20, 25 shows a year. Wow. That's terrific. Well, we often hear from people, especially in our YouTube and our social media age, especially young people, there's an idea that anybody can be a star. And, um, you know, we have, we hear from a lot of people who have that sort of aspiration. What would you say to an aspiring young Christian artist who was thinking about a career, maybe in singing, maybe in acting? Well, I firmly believe that when you know who you are and the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you, and you work on them, you work to use them, that is where you will find the most peace, the most joy, the most happiness, your greatest outlet. You will make as much money as you as an individual need to be happy, provided you don't call yourself poor because you don't have what someone else has or you don't have what someone else thinks you ought to have. Wow. That, that is a great word of wisdom for people listening today. And just one last question. What, what would you say about the way entertainment shapes the lives of young people today? What, what, what are you observing these days? What I'm observing is that they are latching on to entertainment to show them the way to give them identification, uh, validation, because they're not getting it at home. Huh. 
where it ought to come from, specifically from fathers, um, so much from mothers, all this stuff should come from. Children are being raised completely differently today than they were years ago, than they ought to be. You know, right. and, and the problem is that people are more concerned with not doing what their foreparents did than they are with doing what is best and what is right. Okay. Well, Gloria, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to our Plugged In Show audience today. We wish you the best and and God's grace to you in all of your endeavors. Thank you so much. God bless you as well. Well, now it's time for a part of our show we call Pop Culture Connection. Ashley, our producer, is here with mind-boggling questions to help us think about our own experience with pop culture. And the goal of this game is to give as many answers to her question as we possibly can in 30 seconds. Take it away, Ashley. All right. I'm going to have you go first, Adam. Oh, boy. You'll you'll love this question. I know I will. All right. I'm ready. If you could travel to any other planet, real or fictional, where would you go and why? Oh, wow. That is a hard question. I'm going to go with Mars. No, no, I can't go with Mars. <laughs> I'm going to go with Coruscant from Star Wars. Because Coruscant. Coruscant was the traffic. The, I know. The traffic looks incredible. The buildings are incredible. <laughs> there are a lot of important scenes that take place there. I could go to, you know, where the Jedi trained. I think it was called the Jedi Temple. I could see if perhaps Obi-Wan Kenobi is still lurking there somewhere. <laughs> Long time ago, I knew it'd be a far, Star far Wars away. planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I almost wanted the real planet. I love that. You're on Mars. No, Coruscant. That's a terrible <laughs> choice. Oh, be quiet. No, I love that Paul goes. The, pa- Paul says the traffic. The traffic. <laughs> I just think about trying to cross the street. It just seems uh, hectic. Uh, yes, yes. That's amazing. Well, I got five. Okay, five great. points. So uh, nice uh, job. That was pretty good. That was like a, yes. pretty good. That was pretty generous for a, for a slow start. Yeah. All right. Mars. No. Wait. Jonathan, you're up next. Okay, here we go. Your question is, what do you consider to be the best album ever and why? Ooh. Oh, man. And I probably can't even say the best of, you know, because I would definitely no, say, you know. Be you know, No, you like, can do that. But, you know, I'm going to go with Pet Sounds, Beach Boys. That's a that's great choice. My daughter, uh, Ashley, turned me on to that. And it's just a great God only knows. I mean, it's and it's not your typical beach stuff, you know, with all the, you know, like surf and safari, whatever. It's really some deep don't good. Be bagging on, don't be bagging on yeah. surf and nice. safari. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you Man. notice I you notice I did a, a, a Paul Acey answer there where I went for depth instead of, uh, instead of like, So you uh, got three deep points. Really great. Right. That was generous. Deep that was really generous. great answer though. That was a good answer. It's I was such not an expecting amazing album. All right, Paul. Boy. Beach sounds. Oh, pet sounds. Pet sounds. Yeah, Beach pet Boys. sounds. I think uh, revolver. I'd go revolver. Yeah, it's not mm. your question. Anyway, it's not your question. Anyway. Your question is. I was going to say best of Lionel Richie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> say Hello. you, say me, because oh, it's so good. I, okay, sorry. Go ahead. What uh, do you think is the best TV series you've ever seen, and why? Oh, I'm going to go Lost. 
I, I know that some people oh, have wow. a problem with the ending of Lost. Well, it wasn't very good. But I yeah. loved Lost because of the character development. I thought that the, the main characters were fantastic. Uh, I loved the tension yeah. between science and faith. Uh, I smoke think monster. Locke yeah. was just fantastic. The smoke monster, the polar bears. Polar bears. It really yeah. made me very yeah. sad when some of my favorite characters passed on. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I only wish like that Mr. Echo could have been around for longer yeah. season two oh. mr echo oh he was oh, so man. good oh. wow i counted six yeah. points so yeah. paul oh, you're our winner today are congratulations our oh, this awesome. week good work you know season I think one Jonathan, of lost was one of the best season, season one, one and season se- two and then season two went down then season three went further down season four no no no, 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 no you're no. wrong on that the first four seasons were great. Sounds like another Five podcast. Five and six really tanked. No, I think that you are also wrong. They weren't as good. Like, season Disagree. two was my favorite. but And I really liked the ending. I will I defend know, you're the, the ending. Only, you're the only one. It was great. That's no, it wasn't. The it's ambiguity. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll have to have a lost podcast at some point. But until then, <laughs> thanks again for spending some time with us today at The Plugged In Show. If you've enjoyed our conversation about conversations... Tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to get news about our show out there. You can also leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. And we would like to hear from you, too. What are some of the questions that you like to talk about with your family after you watch a movie or a TV show? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram or send us a message at team, T-E-A-M, at thepluggedinshow.com. And... You know, if you take time to write us, we might even feature what you have to say on a future episode. Well, thanks again for being a part of the Plugged In Show. And as our thanks for being a part of the Plugged In Show family today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's book, Parenting Generation Screen. You'll find a link to order that in the episode notes for today's show in our blog entry for this week's conversation. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another plugged in show and we hope we hope that it really encouraged you equipped you challenged you and we hope that you tune in again next week for another great conversation (laughs) at the plugged in show a mysterious phone call and a new nemesis emily jones and matthew parker are on the case i just need to find out who this person is Oh, sounds like a real mystery. It all starts with a phone caller threatening to blackmail Jones and Parker's friend Jeremy. But this new nemesis won't stop there. Can Emily and Matthew figure out who this blackmailer is before it's too late? Solve the mystery with them by reading Jones and Parker Case Files, The Nemesis. It's the second book in the series with 16 new stories full of fun, faith, and intrigue. It's a great way for kids ages 8 to 12 to sharpen their detective skills while learning important values. Inspect clues, examine the evidence, and try to guess who done it. This is going to be harder than I thought, Mr. Whitaker. Oh, stop saying that, Priscilla. Relax. We're going to have a blast. For more, go to adventuresinodyssey.com slash jonesandparker. That's adventuresinodyssey.com slash jonesandparker.